0: Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and on your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the Scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on Him on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Somebody say, that's good news. Amen, that's good news. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Lord, would you just bless the reading of your word and, and allow me to, to speak your word and, and interpret and communicate your word in a way that can be received this morning. Um, before, actually, I, I'm going out of order here, but before I get into the message, I wanted to point your attention to in the app, we're, we started Lent on, on Ash Wednesday, and, and we had an Ash Wednesday service here, and we asked people to just kind of go through and and uh, and for the next six weeks leading up to Easter, spend some time fasting, spend some time in prayer, find a way, maybe fast one meal a week or one day a week, spend some time in intentional Bible study, intentionally drawing closer to the Lord as we uh, enter into the Easter season. And I we, we put in the app, there's a free devotional out there on the app called Inhabit, and I have been doing it. And y'all, it has blessed my soul since Wednesday to be reading this. I want to encourage you, if you know, there's actually two in there. There's the one that we we uh, made last year for the church that's called The Road to Resurrection. You can go through that one. But if you did that one last year and you want a new one, this one is, is free as well. And I want to encourage you, find some time every day during Lent to intentionally spend time reading the word of God and spend time fasting and spend time in prayer. This is what I read this morning that was so it just it it struck me to the core. Uh, The the passage this morning was talking about fasting and it was talking about why do we fast? And it was saying the, the enemy will lie to us and tell us that we have to fast because God enjoys our suffering. And that we have to fast. And so if I suffer one day, God must really like it if I suffer in fasting for seven days or 10 days or 21 days or whatever it might be. But it said the point of fasting is not suffering, it's simplicity. It's about getting away from the complications of life and just spending time intentionally in the presence of God, spending time intentionally drawing close to God. And that's what Lent is all about. That's what this season is all about. It's not about, you know, making yourself suffer. It's about making things a little more simple so all the distractions that the world can bring can be pulled away and we can just encounter the Lord. And so I'm going to be preaching along those lines for the next several weeks, just what it means to draw close to the Lord, what it means to be in God's presence, what it means to... uh, make life a little more simple so that you can uh, be in God's presence and experience the Lord. But I want to encourage you, get in that Believer's Fellowship app, get that devotional, read it every day, go on this journey with me, amen? So you can go, it's called Inhabit, you just have to tap that Lent button on the homepage of the app and you'll see it there. But Romans chapter 10. The book of Romans is uh, the Apostle Paul's most famous, probably, work of literature. It is his masterpiece. It is his major theological treatise. If you, there are people that aren't even believers, that aren't even Christians, that they would say the book of Romans is probably one of the greatest literary works of all time because there is such masterful use of language. There is such masterful use of communication and rhetoric in it that people, even that don't believe that people are other religions, they'll say, if you want to see just a a great example of literature, of communication, they would say, look at the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans written in the first century. It is just this magnificent and people argue about it. The book of Romans has caused debate for 2,000 years. There is major debates especially after how you interpret some of the things that Paul said about predestination and and eternity and those kinds of things. And so it's a very important book to understand. But but what I want to point out to you is that the book of Romans is all about convincing people that God in the flesh, through the person of Jesus of Nazareth, a Jewish man, that God through Jesus has made a way to redeem the entire world world, even non-Jewish people. So Paul is a Jewish man. He, is, he has been a member of the sect called the Pharisees, which is one of the strictest sects when it comes to uh, following the, the Hebrew law. And Paul is saying that I, I want you to know that as someone who is an expert in the Hebrew Bible, that Jesus, a Jewish man, a Hebrew man, was God in the flesh, and that through Jesus, God has made a way to redeem not just Jewish people, but all people. And he's answering the question then, because if you were a Jew, that begs the question, if salvation is available to everyone, then are the Jewish people still God's chosen people? That was a big debate. What does it mean if God has opened the gate for salvation to everyone, not just the Jews, then are the Jews still God's chosen people? And so Paul is writing Romans to say, yes, the Jewish people are God's chosen people, but not in the way they thought. Being God's people didn't mean that they had some kind of exclusivity to salvation that it's just us four and no more, and that we're the ones who have a monopoly and a corner market on salvation. Instead, being God's people meant they were the ones God was going to use to save and redeem the rest of the world. They weren't the exclusive recipients of salvation. They were the chosen vessels used by God to save all of humanity. That's why Abraham was so important in his family. And when God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations, because through your offspring, you will find. And if you look in the first beginning of the books of Matthew and the books of Luke, a genealogy that traces the man Jesus all the way back to the man Abraham, because God wants you to see that I called Abraham and blessed Abraham because he was going to have a family and that family was going to produce a son and that son's name was Jesus and Jesus is going to die on a cross and Jesus is going to be resurrected and that Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of David, he is the doorway through which I'm going to save all of humanity. So Paul says you're chosen, but you're not chosen in that you're the only ones that get in. You're chosen because you're the ones I'm going to use as the doorway to get everybody in. You following me? Now at the heart of this issue, this debate, because some people didn't like this. Well, Paul, we're God's chosen people and you're telling me that God also loves Gentiles, non-Jewish people, people who don't follow the law, people who haven't been circumcised, people who don't worship like we worship. God still loves them and wants to save them. And there was a debate in the early church. Did Jesus die just for the Jews or did Jesus die for the whole world? Was the resurrection of Jesus for the Jews or was the resurrection for the whole world? And at the heart of this issue are actually sinful conditions of the heart and society. Things like racism and pride. Much of the first century world, the Romans and the the Greeks, they looked down on the Jews as a backward, inferior people. As an inferior race. They were seen as backward and uneducated and unsophisticated. See, the Greeks and the Romans, they had their their huge... uh, uh, just plethora of gods that they worshipped and they had their Greek philosophy and their Roman philosophy. And they said, we're more sophisticated. Those Jews only have one God. Look at all the gods that we have. And they looked down on them because they seemed to be uneducated and unsophisticated. They believed they acted and talked and worshipped so differently than the rest of the pagan world that, that they were, the Jews were considered less than. They were a small population. They were often a nation that was uh, attacked by foreign powers and oppressed and often forced into coercive political uh, relationships and allegiances. And often the Jews were used as cheap labor or even slaves. And on the flip side, Israel, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, often developed a sense of spiritual pride because of their status as God's chosen people. And they easily, throughout biblical history, would slip into the sin and compromise, believing that they could do no wrong because they were God's chosen people. And even if they compromised God, they were still God's, even if they sinned, they were still God's chosen people. They saw themselves as inherently better than other nations because of their claim to be God's chosen people. Yet they often ended up compromising their faith and beliefs, disobeying God's laws and breaking the covenant with God, but blind to their own spiritual condition. So that by the time Jesus came around in the first century, and he came preaching the kingdom of God and initiating a new way for all the world to come to God through faith, through following him, through identifying with the death and resurrection of Jesus, there became a problem. Because folks were putting their faith in Jesus and getting saved. And like good Christians, they showed up to church on Sunday and they realized that Jews were going to have to sit next to non-Jews at church. They realized that men and women were worshiping together. They realized that people of different skin colors were praying together. They realized that different languages and dialects were sharing the same pew. And they saw poor people and rich people both coming to the communion table And this created some problems and some friction because culture and society had told you that you don't associate Jews and Gentiles together. The rich and poor don't associate together. Men and women, they're just used for one thing and they don't associate together outside of that. And and different languages and different skin colors and different dialects, they didn't intermingle. This was radical that when they showed up to church on Sunday, there were people who didn't look like them, who didn't talk like them, and who hadn't been brought up like them all around the altar together worshiping Jesus. Nowhere else on the planet had this ever happened. Nowhere else on the planet had different people of different languages and different cultures associated with one another, prayed together and worshiped together. They were so used to a world where people were excluded because of their skin color. People were excluded because of their economic status. People were excluded because of their religious background. That they had trouble making sense of how they ended up together at the same time serving Jesus. And often there was a temptation to begin drawing lines again. Okay, you can serve Jesus and we'll serve Jesus, but we're not going to draw lines. That's why most churches in America are predominantly either white or black. We worship the same Jesus, but because we're different, we draw a line. Y'all worship over there, we'll worship over here. The temptation to begin drawing lines again, keeping some people in and 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 dealing others in and and drawing others in the book of Romans is the spirit of God speaking through Paul, the apostle, a Jewish man telling us, no, you've missed the point. God came among his creation in the person of Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus has initiated a new kingdom. That is not based on race. That is not based on economics. That is not based on language. That is not based on skin color. It's not even based on the royal bloodlines of some earthly king. Instead, the kingdom of God is based on the shed blood of Jesus, of Calvary, on the cross of Calvary, and whoever has faith in Him, He applies that blood to and cleanses from all sin. And we're all born again into a new kingdom, so there's no Jew or Gentile. There's no slave or free. There's no male or female. We're all just beloved children of God who've been bought with the blood of Jesus. So the Apostle Paul in Romans, he's dealing with the spiritual diagnosis of people of early Christians who are having trouble making sense of this new way of doing things, this new kind of kingdom. And he says we all have a tendency to self-diagnose ourselves, to, to, to uh, this tendency towards self-diagnosis where we put ourselves in certain categories and we say this is where we belong. And oftentimes there are two categories that we put ourselves in. Sometimes we're self-righteous self right we, we see ourselves as we are the right ones. We've got it right. We've got it figured out. We're the ones who are living right. We're the ones who are doing right. And we put ourselves, in, now none of us call ourselves self-righteous. But that's what we do. I've got my, my thing figured out and I don't do certain sins and I don't worship a certain way and I don't associate with certain people so I'm better than all those certain's. And we self-diagnose as self-righteous. But then there's another category, and maybe that's you here in the room. You say, I know I'm not righteous. And we get into this self-deprecating way of thinking where this is just how I am. I'm just, I'm just, I can't ever do anything right. I'm just, you know, some of y'all in the room, you, you talk to yourself this way. I'm just a screw up. I just keep messing this up. I just keep, I just keep having problems i can't ever get it right i i'm just a failure i you know even when i try to do right i can't do right and and people still always I always let people down and and i'm i'm just come hello anyone you know i'm looking at some of you and we get into this we're either I, i'm i'm not righteous so i'm i'm no good and we put ourselves and we self diagnose ourselves in one of these two categories. And then we have not only a tendency towards self diagnosis, we have a tendency to diagnose others. I had a therapist friend that had a t shirt that said, Keep talking, I'm diagnosing you. You know? <laughs> yeah, just keep talking, I'll figure out where you fit. I'll figure out which which category you fall under. And we tend to do that to people, don't we? We don't know anything about their background. We don't know anything about who they really are. We don't even really know them, but we see what they look like or we see their outward behavior and we put them in categories, don't we? We put people in categories and we will say, oh, well, you know, that person, they've got it all together. That person, man, they're really making it in life. They've got a good job. They're, they're, they're not strung out. They look well put together. They, they're, they're looking good today. They've got a good looking spouse. They've got good looking kids. And we diagnose them and we put them in this. These people must be doing something right. We put them in the righteous crowd. And then we see some other people. That maybe they don't look so good. And maybe they don't have all their teeth. And maybe they, they look like they've been rode hard and put up wet. And so they, we put them in this hopeless category. And I preached a few weeks ago. I told you if I hear one more person tell you tell me, oh, that's just the way they've always been. That's the way they're always going to be. I'm going to punch somebody in the face because I'm tired of people putting people in these hopeless categories where this is just how it is. This is just yell County to the bone. This is just the way it is. This is just the way it acts. This is poverty. This is it's hopeless. There's nothing you can do about it. Oh, don't go to that house, Pastor Seth. Don't worry about visiting them because that's who they are and that's who they've always been and there's no hope for them. Don't worry about telling them about Jesus because I know who they are. Come on. That's we put people in those categories and don't sit here with your self-righteous face and act like you don't. Because I know we do. Because I know I do it. I know I do it. And we diagnose other people and we have never spent a day in their shoes. We've never walked a mile in their shoes and in their situation. And if you got to know them, you'd find out maybe there's a reason they look that way. Maybe there's a reason they smell that way. Maybe there's a reason they act that way. And maybe we can be the ones. Come on. I, well. we a tendency to diagnose others the righteous and the hopeless diagnose ourselves self-righteous or self-deprecating but listen the apostle Paul in Romans wants to tell you the truth this morning and that is Romans 3 verse 10 there is no one righteous not even one that's the truth that none of us none of us on our own are any kind of righteous before the Lord you're not righteous just because you're Jewish and were are born into the right family you're not righteous just because you were Greek and born into a great empire you're not right just because of where you live or what your zip code is. He tells them just because you're a Jew doesn't make you righteous. You remember your father Abraham. It wasn't who he was that made him righteous. It was his faith that the Bible says was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham wasn't righteous at all. But when he put his trust and his faith in God and he obeyed the word of God, God gave Abraham his righteousness. He didn't earn it on his own all of us come to Jesus knee deep in the ashes of our own sin. All of us come to Jesus knee deep in the in the muck and the mud of our own failures and our own shortcomings. No single one of us is righteous compared to God. No single one of us comes with clean hands before the Lord. That's what Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says that's the truth. No one is righteous. So you can't sit over here and your self-righteous, uh, saved and stuck up attitude. You save sour pusses that say I've got it all together and I've got it all figured out. And, and these people just need to figure if they would just get a job, if they would just do what they're supposed to do, if they would just get to church, then they could get it right, too. But I've made it on my own. No, you did not. You came in your own filth, just like everybody else did pleading to God. All have sinned, but at the same time, listen, here's the good news. No one is righteous, but guess what? Nobody is hopeless either. Hallelujah. No one is hopeless. Look at this verse 11. Anyone who trusts in him will never be ashamed, will never be put to shame. Verse 12, they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon Him. Verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what family you came from. It doesn't matter what background you came from. It doesn't matter if you just got done sinning the night before. It doesn't matter if if you've just made a total wreck of your life. He helps those who call on Him. If you need help, he's a helper. If you need health, He's the healer. If you need strength, He's the strengthener. If you've got a burden, He's the burden bearer. If you've got a problem, He's the problem solver. If you're trapped, He's the rescuer. If you're bound, He's a freedom fighter. If you're down, He's the lifter of your head. If you're falling, He's your safety net. If you're going crazy, He's peace to your mind. If you're filthy, He's got blood that washes white as snow. If you're thirsty, He's the well that won't run dry. If you're lonely, He's the friend that sits closer than a brother. If you're in a battle, he's an undefeated warrior. If you're outnumbered, he commands 10,000 of his angels to be at your side. If you're hungry, he's a bread multiplier. If you're tired, he gives you rest. If things get heavy, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If you're knocking on death's door, he's the grave robbing, death defying, stone rolling, hell conquering, resurrected Jesus, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Because of the sin that entered into humanity through Adam, none of us is righteous before God. But because of the sin, the life that entered into humanity through Jesus, none of us is hopeless. We put each other in these categories and we put ourselves in these categories. Guess what? There's only one category and that category is a candidate for God's mercy. Every single one of us. When you're sick, you go to the doctor and you hope they're a good diagnostician that can look at your symptoms and find the problem but it's no good if you can only find the problem but you don't know the cure there's no point in going to the doctor if they can just tell you the problem but they say there's no cure but listen paul in romans chapter 10 said there is a prescription For your diagnosis. And it is to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. He said if you openly declare. That Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Now I want to tell you something right now. I'm not even just talking about the saved. That means you get to go to heaven when you die. I'm talking about if you're in trouble. I'm talking about if you're stuck. I'm talking about if you're in chains. I'm talking about if you've got a battle going on in your mind right now. I'm talking about if you've got a battle going on in your family right now. If you will openly declare, Jesus is Lord over these chains. Jesus is Lord over this battle. Jesus is Lord over my life. If you will openly declare that, and then believe in your heart, He's the Lord of life. He overcame death. He overcame hell. He over came the grave he will save you he will rescue you he will come to your aid he will come to your help when you call on his name there is a diagnosis all of us are are unrighteous all of us need hope but we're all candidates and this prescription for the disease is the name of of Jesus would you just call out his name with me right now say Jesus you are Lord over my life you're Lord over my sickness you're Lord over these chains you're Lord over this battle Jesus I believe you've overcame death hell and the grave for my life I believe your name is stronger than the name of cancer I believe your name is greater than my grief I believe your name is greater than my suffering you are my Lord and I believe you are who you say you are. Would you stand with me this morning in the presence of the Lord? I believe that God gave me this word this morning because he wanted you to know if you'll call on him, he answers. If you'll call on his name, he answers. And if you're not right with God this morning, if you're not living for the Lord in a in a continual relationship, I'm not talking about you hit an altar sometime at vacation Bible school when you were a kid. I'm talking about right now in right relationship with God. The blood has washed you clean and you have you are in right standing with the Lord right now if you say I I don't know for sure if I am Romans 10 9 and 10 says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised you from the dead you will be saved that's what gets you to a place of being born again that's what gets you to a place of having right relationship with God you say "Well, well how does that look exactly listen We've made it more complicated than it really is. Remember, I was telling you about this being a season of simplicity. Let's just be simple before the Lord. All you have to do to be right with God is say, Lord, Jesus, you are my Lord. That word Lord means master. It means boss. It means director. It means leader. So it's not just a magic prayer. It's you got to mean it. I'm submitting my life to you as the Lord, the master, the boss, the leader of my life. And I believe that when you died, you died for me. And when you rose, you really did overcome death, hell, and that's how you get saved. So, you know, we talk about the sinner's prayer. You've heard, you've heard about this, Lord Jesus, come to my heart. Amen. That's fine, and that's great, and that's a great way to introduce people to it. But you want to know what is an authentic sinner's prayer? Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Just three words. You're confessing he's Jesus. He's Lord over your life. And in your heart, you believe he is who he says he is. That's a sinner's prayer right there. That's how you get started walking with the Lord. It's just saying, I have made a mess of this. Jesus, would you help me? Because anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here this morning and you would say, I know when I stepped into this church this morning, I was not 100% in right standing with Jesus. I've been trying to lead it my own way. I've been trying to do it my own way. I haven't been serving God. I haven't been drawing close to the Lord. I haven't been praying. I haven't been obeying God's word for my life. And I want to make sure today that I get a fresh start. I want you to step out and say, Jesus, would you just help me? You say, Jesus, help me where I'm at. I want you to be in. Don't wait for me to, to stop talking. Don't wait for anyone to start. I want you to step out and you say, Jesus, help me. If I, I you know, I, I came in this morning and I just wasn't where I was supposed to be with the Lord. Listen, Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. But if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my father. So, in other words, the just getting saved with your eyes closed and nobody looking around, where you wouldn't do it in front of people if you wouldn't publicly confess Jesus, he says that's not, that's not enough. If you openly de- confess Jesus is Lord. So don't be ashamed. If you say, I know I need to make things right with God. I'm going to make this public de- declaration. Jesus, I need your help. I want you to step out right now. If you're watching online, and you say I need I need to I need to make things right with the Lord. I'm not right with God. Put it in the comments. Send us a message. Say Jesus help me. I want to be right with the Lord. If there's anyone anyone else today. All right, we've had a few step out. Pastor Melissa, would you come and just help us with this? And Justin, you can come too and just just help pray over these that are here. If there's anyone else that you say you know what? I'm right with God. But I have I have given in to the temptation to draw some lines. I'm right. I know that I'm, I'm in the right relationship with God, but I've been drawing lines and I've been thinking some people were excluded and some people weren't or, or I've been dividing the kingdom up and who, who should be here and who shouldn't or who I should reach out to and who I shouldn't and or even I've been putting myself in these own categories of you know what, I've got some spiritual pride and I've been self-righteous in my attitude. Or maybe I just believe that there was someone in the room today that when I was talking about that self-deprecating self-talk, where you keep putting yourself down in your own mind and you keep talking down to yourself and thinking you're not worth it or thinking you're hopeless. I just wanna pray with you. I want you to step out wherever you are and say, "I I just need Jesus to work some things out in my life and just come and do a work in my life, whatever it is. There's no shame here. I want you to step out and say, you know what? I need Jesus to just get my mind right about how I'm talking about myself and how I think about myself or maybe how I think about other people I need to repent maybe of how I put other people in categories and I need to repent of how I put myself in a category come on would you just step out you're not alone there's already people here I believe there's more that just say you know what I need to give some things to the Lord this morning in time of prayer I need to ask the Lord to come and cleanse and wash me clean and refresh me this morning in Jesus name in Jesus name just if you didn't come forward everybody in the room is participating I want you to begin to intercede for these that have stepped out I want you to begin to just pray and just ask the Lord to pour out his spirit on people that have stepped out in the altar this morning I believe Lord that you just want to do a work in somebody's life today nobody alone nobody by themselves they're a full participation whether you're at your seat or you come forward we're going to spend some time just asking the Lord to move in this room on our on on these folks' behalf, in Jesus' name,
1: you see, more. I see broken, but you.